You're listening to Parallel Fiction, a companion podcast that takes two pieces of work and compares them within a theme. I'm Jeff. And I'm Heather. And today our theme is going to be unlikely parent figures. Ooh. Yeah, so in honor of The Mandalorian coming back on TV, we decided to take other stories where uh, characters kind of find themselves in like a parent type situation and uh, see how they do. Yeah, whether they want it or not. Um, very excited for Mandalorian to come back and uh, yeah. see some little baby Yoda slash yes. the child. Yeah, so it uh, definitely inspired us on today's uh, theme. And we got some cool work for you. I'm going to be covering the first video game of the show, which we tried to incorporate earlier, but we couldn't really figure out how or what to do. So today I'll be talking about The Last of Us. Yeah, I'm excited. It's a good game. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which, yeah. which is a movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think both of our stories were like <laughs> at us crying or whatever. <laughs> at some point. They're very sad at times <laughs> these are a little rough but i think that's kind of the theme yeah parent parenting is hard <laughs> yeah it's true watching it's harder yeah <laughs> well maybe not harder but it's I definitely a chore i mean our cat keeps us on our toes that's very true yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so how was uh your week since last episode did you get any feedback or anything you wanted to add to uh leadership not leadership, but I oh. wanted to go back even a little further. I think in our episode, <laughs> in episode four, we, I talked about uh, Frankenstein and we were saying how Mary, there's a Mary Shelley movie, the author of Frankenstein yeah, on, um, Hulu. on Hulu. And we went back and we did watch it and it was really good. So yeah, it wasn't bad. I, I do want to add that to my recommendations for episode. Yeah, if you four. have Hulu, it's a good watch. And um, if you missed that episode, all of our previous episodes are available where you're listening here, you know, Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Simplecast. Um, if you're starting at this episode, go ahead and check those out. Maybe you get uh, a little bit more content and uh, enjoy those episodes. <laughs> and if you want further content, you can find our uh, social media. We have Instagram. We're pretty active on. Yeah. Um, you can follow us at Parallel Fiction. You can also find us on Facebook at Parallel Fiction Podcast mm -hmm. and on Twitter as Parallel Fiction. Yeah, we got to start tweeting more. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Uh, Twitter is I like, like never, a lost art. I never I got know. Twitter. I don't know. Like I always had a Twitter account, but I never figured out like who to follow, how to tweet at them <laughs> i feel like twitter is where i find out most of my news and that's Jeez. all i really use it for it just uh, my you gotta look at my feed it just looks like people shouting at each other and like nobody answering one another you gotta find the right people to follow <laughs> yeah i guess so <laughs> maybe i gotta give it a shot well if people follow us there i'll definitely answer them on twitter and you know we're pretty active like you said on uh, instagram so that's the main kind of way we're reaching out to the fans of the show or listeners, I should say. <laughs> Not sure if you're a fan, but at ahead. least you're a yeah. listener. So that's good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so Gotta anyway, calm down. Yes. Yeah, so thank you for listening, by the way, leadership. Our last episode was our best launching episode to date. Hopefully this one beats it when it releases. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, everybody turned up for us and uh, we can't thank you enough for that. That was a lot of fun seeing all the listens and downloads and stuff come in. Yeah. Thank you. I hope it inspired you to, uh, Think about what you want in a leader as yeah. this election season is yeah, the, oh, the election, going on. The election would have happened by now. Yeah. Hmm. The well, day after election day well, is when this releases. So hope it works out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what yeah. to expect this year. I really don't. Usually someone concedes by like midnight. 
on the day. I don't know. This is so unprecedented, though, with the way that we've been voting with like the mail in and, you know, dropping off our ballots. And well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully it worked out (laughs) for everybody. Fingers crossed. So, yeah, father figures or unlikely parent figures. I think ours ends up being father. So we keep saying father figures, but we just mean unlikely parents in general. Yeah, it could be anybody. Could be anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you want to do our rocks, paper, scissors for it? Let's see what I'm hoping I win this time. Okay. Do you want to go first? Okay, ready? Yeah, okay. Rock, Rock, paper, paper, scissors, scissors, shoot. shoot. Oh, I won. Shit. (laughs) Dude, I'm undefeated (laughs) in case anybody at home is keeping count. Uh, I'm so bad at this game. I thought it was a game of chance. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm just lucky. But uh, I'll let you go first because you seem very excited about it. Nice. So let's uh, come back in a second and we'll go through Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. All right, and we're back. So I'm going to be starting us off with our movie portion today. Going to guard these galaxies. Going to guard all the galaxies. (laughs) So I am doing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Well, it is important to probably have seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and maybe know a little bit about the MCU. I think the way that I'm covering this, it could be a standalone movie, and I feel like the plot is pretty... Yeah. Like, standalone-ish. Like, you... I'll, I'll make sure you know everything you need to know. Yeah. I'd hope that, uh, you know, our listeners probably are big Marvel fans, I would assume. I'd assume. <laughs> if they're anything like us. <laughs> I, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I don't, also don't want to make assumptions. Yeah. Makes yeah. an ass out of you and me. <laughs> so they say. Yeah. <laughs> they do. <laughs> so, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Directed and written by James Gunn. Produced by Kevin Feige. Which I know that name's been tossed around a lot in uh, our podcast so yeah. far, I feel like. Yeah. He's the man. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty good team right there. Yeah. Uh, James Gunn's first big movie, fun fact, was Scooby-Doo in 2002. Really? Yeah, that was his big like, first motion picture movie. Yeah. Well, he did, um, was it Slither before that? Yeah. Slither was after. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like maybe by a year. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, and oh, his brother, also another fun fact, stars in this movie. Yeah, he's um Rocket, right? No. He is well, Rocket. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Actually, yeah. funny enough, I was going to get to that. But he's also his own character. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's that's Kraglin. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I always so, think of him as like the body of Rocket. Right. I have, that's a fun fact for oh, later. Oh, okay. Sorry. You ruined <laughs> I stole it. your thunder. I have more to it, though, oh, that okay. I don't think you know. Oh, oh okay. We'll see. Right. I don't know. I'll surprise you. We'll see. So this movie also stars, besides James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, um, also stars Chris Pratt, like I talked about last time. Yeah. Um, so a lot of crossovers in our, our picks so far. Yeah, I know, right? So I got Andy Dwyer is now starring as Star-Lord yeah. slash Peter Quill. Star-Lord <laughs> is like his code name. Um, this movie also has Zoe Saldana, uh, which I know my baby loves. dave batista uh wrestler turned actor also Uh, love batista (laughs) batista's great and i love him in this movie after on the rewatch i he might be my favorite character he's the scariest grandpa like in the world (laughs) (laughs) i wish dave batista was my grandpa so cool yeah yeah, probably would (laughs) 
Uh, also, we got Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper is the voice of Rocket. I always forget Vin Diesel is Groot. Right? <laughs> like, he know. does a great job. That's true. Yeah. He does the one thing really good. He like <laughs> translated the one line in like a bunch of different languages. Yeah, yeah. Like it's his, him actually doing yeah, yeah, yeah. it, which is pretty cool. I mean, I guess it's three words. How hard is it? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, this movie also has Karen Gillian. Uh Chris Sullivan, Sylvester Stallone is in this. Uh, Kurt Russell, Michael Rooker. Got a whole cast here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely a lot of really good people. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Marvel does that, though. Marvel yeah. like always gets yeah, really good actors and actresses in their movies. Yeah. I mean, because they know it's just going to be a top hit. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. So let's get into the plot. Sure. Um, the story picks off kind of like soon after where the first movie ends. So at this point, the Guardians like kind of just officially became this like superhero group. And they were all kind of like criminals and misfits prior to like coming together and like saving the galaxy for the first time in the first movie. So we have Peter Quill slash Star-Lord. He, you know, is trying to go by Star-Lord. He's trying to make it happen. <laughs> trying to make Fetch happen. Trying to make Fetch happen. But I don't, he really doesn't get called Star-Lord much in this movie. Yeah, no, I guess not. Yeah. I like almost forgot. I was like, oh, yes, yeah, Star-Lord. He's not trying to make it happen anymore. I guess maybe he's comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. I don't know. So Star-Lord slash Peter Quill. I'm going to refer to him either as probably Peter or Quill in this. Mm. So he's a half human, half alien. He was abducted by a group of alien mercenaries called the Ravagers. We also have Gamora, who is an <laughs> assassin that was raised by Thanos, who is like this villain guy. <laughs> who wants to like destroy the whole galaxy so not I good. think Thanos is like Darth Vader now where I, everybody knows yeah <laughs> yeah so I feel like I don't have to explain Thanos yeah uh so he actually kills Gamora's bio parents on her home planet by destroying like half the life there so oops and he's like yeah. you know look at this cute little kid I'm gonna just adopt her <laughs> so okay <laughs> That's Gamora. As one does. <laughs> you know, just kill off people and then take their kids. <laughs> All right. Yep. Nothing can go wrong there. <laughs> we also have Drax. This is Dave Bautista's character, who I think he, he just holds such a special spot. He just holds such a special spot in my heart. <laughs> and he is um, a warrior who's like seeking vengeance after his family was killed. His wife and his kids were killed by Ronin, which is one of Thanos' like little buddies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we also have Rocket, who is the voiced by Bradley Cooper. He's a <laughs> raccoon, but he like wasn't completely sure he was a raccoon. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know what a raccoon is. Yeah. Space raccoon. He was kind of like an experiment. Yeah. Um, but he's very hot tempered and he's like a master of weapons, mercenary kind of <laughs> guy. He's uh, you know, all into the guns. <laughs> <laughs> so the fun fact that Jeff like kind of took my thunder from he's voiced by bradley cooper but the movement was based on sean gunn and yeah the real life behavior of an actual raccoon named oh. oreo oh okay and i need <laughs> to find a picture of oreo or like a video of him like yeah just ASAP. on set <laughs> yeah just like how does oreo move that's okay that's cool. how we're gonna make rocket move <laughs> i love when they do that <laughs> oh it's amazing i love it so much i love when animals are like Actors. involved in movie making yeah. <laughs> yeah love it like what was your dog in a in a the real name is chico the dog yes i yeah, knew it was yeah, something yeah. with a c <laughs> here's to chico and oreo yep you guys are the real mvps <laughs> 
Then leading up the Guardians of the Galaxy crew, the Guardians, we have um, Groot, whose rocket's like Buddy. And he has a very limited vocabulary, a.k.a. he has like three words. He All he has is, I am Groot, though he does... <clears throat> I'm going to get choked up. He has a we are Groot towards the end of the last movie. Yeah. But he actually kind of (laughs) dies. So. So, oops. But Rocket takes like a twig at the end of the last movie and replants it. And he regrows into like a little baby Groot. So it's actually like a. Baby tree person. Yeah. And James Gunn confirms that it's not actually Groot. It's like a spawn of of the original Groot. So it's not the same. So it's not the same Groot. Person kind of. Yeah. It's not the same person. Quote unquote. He's a like a tree humanoid kind of character. Yeah, yeah. He's so cute. He's the best. I love him so much. And he <laughs> sacrificed his life for the gang and his family. It was like, oh. <sighs> I cried so hard that first time I saw it. And probably like all the like subsequent. Yeah, you still times. cry every time I you see cry. it. <laughs> anyway, right now he is currently baby group form. Yes. So movie picks up. The Guardians. Uh, were hired by the sovereign race to protect valuable batteries from interdimensional beings. <laughs> and so, you know, opens up and the team's like kind of defeating them as the like music's rolling and you see the credits and everything. And they like defeat them, you know, like another, <laughs> yeah. all in a day's work. Um, so they receive their reward for defending the batteries, uh, which is actually Gamora's sister Nebula. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, here, here's Nebula. She's got her ass snatched up. <laughs> yeah. She's not a good alien person. She's not good. Well, she kind of is. Yeah. She's, she's, you know, she's complicated. Tough. She's complicated. That's yeah. a great way to describe it. <laughs> so the sisters are also not on great terms right now. So Gamora's like, all right, I'm going to just go bring you in now to, yeah. uh, what was it? The, uh, the Cree. Not the no. Cray. What's the, uh, the the Nova Corps? The Nova Corps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna bring you into the Nova Corps where you're gonna like live the rest of your life. Like yeah. the Nova yeah. Corps, are like the space cops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bring them. She's gonna bring them to Nova Corps and just be like, "You're living the rest of your life like rotting in jail." Bye. Yeah. So as the Guardians are leaving the planet, we see that Rocket's kind of stolen those batteries now. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so quickly, the Sovereign realizes and goes after them. Guardians escape and they crash land on a nearby planet, but then they're followed by a mysterious ship. Out of this ship comes a man who claims to be Quill's father, whose name is Ego. Quill's like a little skeptical at first. And actually, there's like a really great conversation as like they're kind of all like meeting for the first time. They're sitting around a fire and like Drax, who like Drax doesn't have like a lot of common sense. (laughs) God love him. But like, you know, he's not the most quick thinking, (laughs) sharpest tool in the shed, so to speak. So Drax goes, I always thought that Yondu was your father to to Peter Quill. And everybody's like, uh, and he goes, you look exactly alike. And Rocket's like, he's blue. (laughs) Yeah, Yondu's blue. (laughs) Yeah, Yondu's blue. So Yondu. Which I just realized I didn't tell you who Yondu is. <laughs> Yondu is a Ravager, was the person that abducted Peter Quill from Earth in 1988. So, yeah. He's kind of raised Peter Quill, so to speak, because yeah. that's who Peter Quill like, grew like, up with. Thief gang. Thief gang. Ravagers. Yeah. Thief gang. Thief gang. <laughs> they steal stuff and get money. Yeah. Yeah, that's how they live. <laughs> <laughs> After some discussion, Quill, Gamora, and Drax decide to go back to Ego's planet with him, leaving behind Rocket and Groot to repair their ship 
and also to guard Nebula. Yeah. So they like leave Nebula with them. They're like, okay, bye. <laughs> See ya. Have fun. See ya. <laughs> so while this is all happening, Yandu, we find out that he's been exiled from the Ravagers community because of child. <laughs> the Ravagers community. <laughs> he got canceled. <laughs> I guess there's like a whole like underground like yeah. ring of thieves. <laughs> uh that yeah, it's a community. Yeah. I don't know, you know. <laughs> so he obviously got in trouble for child trafficking, which is like a big no-no even in the Ravager community. They're yeah. like, "Yeah, no, we don't do kids. Like <laughs> that's going to be a hard pass." So like at least they have some morals. That's good. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And you're hearing this and you're like, "Yandu, why child trafficking? Like that yeah. doesn't sound good." No. Oh, doesn't sound good. <laughs> While this is happening, he also gets hired by Aisha, who is the leader of the Sovereign, because she knows that uh, yeah. he has the hookup with the Guardians. So she's like, you got to go get them and yeah. I'll pay you money. They got my batteries. They got my batteries. <laughs> Can't use any of our remotes. My valuable batteries. <laughs> <laughs> How am I going to turn on my TV? Yeah. <laughs> so Yandu goes on a little quest to try to find the Guardians and he comes across Rocket, Groot, and Nebula. Um, so he captures them. Yondu like is hesitating to turn Quillen though. Like he just kind of like, oh, like maybe we could just like give them and like, you know, get like yeah, a quarter of what we were promised. And yeah. it was like, um, Let's talk it out. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Yondu kind of like hesitated and his assistant, uh, this is Sean Gunn's character, uh, Craiglin is, uh, Yondu's assistant. And it's like his BFF. Yeah. It's like his little buddy. Yeah. He kind of is like, why are you always protecting Quill? And that this leads to like a mutiny on their ship where the lieutenant Taserface. <laughs> I was trying to say that was a straight yeah. face and I knew it wasn't going to happen. Like Rocket even makes fun of the name Taserface. Like he's like, you picked Taserface? <laughs> like what? <laughs> like who was like, this is a great name. This I'm going to rebrand myself. Taserface. <laughs> Taserface. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't even shoot tasers out of his no. face. Like where does that I mean, come it from? more looks like his face got yeah, like, like he tasered. got tasered. I think he got tasered. It looks like the Emperor from Star Wars, <laughs> where he got like electrocuted. Yeah, it's not good. It's not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> taser face, good old taser face. In prisons, Rocket and Yondu and Nebula. He like lets Nebula go, and he, she's just like, "Okay, peace. I'm gonna go find Gamora and kill her." because she blames Gamora for the torture that was inflicted on them by Thanos. And uh, this is kind of a great quote about child-parent relationship. Yeah. So as a child, my father would have Gamora and me battle one another in training. Every time my sister prevailed, my father would replace a piece of me with machinery, claiming he wanted me to be her equal. But she won again and again and again, never once refraining. So after I murder my sister, I will buy a warship with every conceivable instrument of death. I will hunt my father like a dog, and I will tear him apart slowly, piece by piece, until he knows some semblance of the profound and unceasing pain I knew every single day. So, Damn. <laughs> needless to say, Thanos was, yeah, yeah. Thanos was probably not the best father. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we can get into that later. <laughs> no. Just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> While they're imprisoned, Rocket and Yondu bond. And like Craiglin, he never had planned to like start a mutiny. He just kind of was like, yo, why the fuck you always? Yeah. Let Quill get. Yeah, yeah. Why are you letting Quill get, get away with shit? <laughs> so like he kind of goes, he's like, I never intended to start a mutiny. Like 
My bad. Yeah. So Groot and Craiglin free Rocket and Yondu. Together they destroy the ship and its crew and they escape. But before they get out, Taserface <laughs> hits up the Sovereign and is like, yo. I got out. <laughs> yo, I got them. I know where they're going. Just remember, Taserface is the one that told you. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Bye, dude. And Taserface dies. Movie goes back to Ego's planet now, and it's this beautiful planet. There's, you know, it's like lush and sparkly rainbow bubbles. And it's just like if you could picture like a like a paradise. Yeah. If you could picture a gorgeous paradise with waterfalls and trees and stuff, Mm. it's that, you know. So Ego's like this godlike celestial being, and he's able to manipulate energy and matter around him. And he like forms his own planet like Mm. he is the planet. He's one. <laughs> um, he uses like a human disguise, though, to kind of travel the universe. And he's like, you know, trying to search for his purpose. And that's how he meets Quill's mom. Her name is Meredith. And, you know, she's a good old Missouri girl. Yeah. Uh, she they fall in love and, you know, results in baby. That's yeah. how things happen. Um, <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I guess, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ego tells Peter that he hired Yondo to bring him home after his mother dies, but Peter never makes it there as Yondo, Yondo, Yondo. Oh, God, what's happening? <laughs> like fondue with a Y. <laughs> as Yondu oh, keeps him. cheese. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> oh, I could go for some cheese. <laughs> some melted cheese. Oh. Be right back, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let me uh, go back a sentence and put this together in a nice way. Peter never makes it to Ego's planet as Yondu keeps him for himself. Oh, I hear a kitty. Guys heard that bell. Yeah, some jingle jangling. (laughs) (laughs) She heard the cheese too. (laughs) Every time I like listen to this podcast in the car, I hear the jingle. I'm like, oh shit, did the cat get in here? Like I panic (laughs) for half a second. We're like, where are you? How'd you get in here? So Yondu had always kind of told Peter, like, he kept him because he's like, why, you know, why'd you keep me? Like, you were supposed to, like, child traffic me. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't you child traffic me like you were supposed to? (laughs) (laughs) You're not my real dad. (laughs) (laughs) And Yanu says it's because he's skinny and that he can fit into small places, which is, like, great for, you know, his stealing purposes. Yeah. Quill starts to bond with his real dad, Ego, and Ego's Who's like Kurt Russell. Who is Kurt Russell, <laughs> by the way? So Ego starts to teach Quill how to manipulate the celestial power he has, and they finally get to have a very touching father-son game of catch with a ball of energy. Yay! <laughs> Space catch. Space catch. <laughs> Obviously, you know things are too good to be true, though, because yeah. you know you can't just have like a nice father-son reunion. You can't have a good in. afternoon with Kurt Russell without some <laughs> strings being attached. <laughs> And Gamora picks up on this. She's like, yeah, something's like not right. Something's like off. And her and Quill have like a huge fight because like he thinks she's just jealous that he has a good dad and he's like finally found a family. And, you know, he even says he's like, oh, I finally found a family. And Gamora's like, um, I thought you already did. Sad face. Gamora goes off like on her own. She's like, you know, thinking about Quill and, you know 
like they kind of have a little love thing going on too. So she's like spoken. Yeah. It's like unspoken like thing between us. And like Peter Quill loves his like TV and movie references. And he always talks about like this cheers vibe between them. (laughs) I think is what he calls it. And he's like, it's like the unspoken thing between us, which Oh, it's like so sweet. So, yeah. so sweet. It is kind of like cheers, <laughs> but like space cheers. Space cheers. <laughs> so like Gamora is like extra sad that she's like losing Quill right now. Like she's like, you know, like we have something going and you're like going to basically leave us for yeah. this guy who says he's your dad. You know, I don't know. Yeah, you're breaking up the band, man. So rude. And as this is happening, her sister Nebula comes out of nowhere and starts like shooting at her in her spaceship. And she's like, and they have this whole like little fight battle going on. And then they like kind of at the end, like they're like, uh, uh, you're my sister. Yeah. And we're we're cool. And they like come to like an agreement, kind of to an alliance. And they like definitely come together when they stumble upon a cavern full of bones. Oh, shoot. Yeah, they're like... Mm. Like chicken bones? <laughs> no, like human bones. And Gamora's like, I have to go tell Quill. Like, this something's not right. I knew it. Like, I gotta go. Yeah. So they go back, and she runs back to the others, and she goes to Drax, who, like, Drax has been, like, kind of bonding with uh, Mantis this whole time, and Mantis is Ego's, like, assistant. Yeah. She, like, helps him fall asleep, and she's like, you know, she also can control people's feelings around her. Um, and she tells them about Ego's true intentions. So let's get into that. <laughs> Ego believes that his true purpose is to consume the entire galaxy. <laughs> it's not good. Well, it's not good. <laughs> By the galaxy, they mean everything. The Taco Bell dollar menu. I could get behind that. <laughs> everything. He's going to like be the galaxy yeah. and all other life is like Goodbye. See ya. Just want, it's all him. It's been real. Nothing but ego. <laughs> so ego had planted seedlings on thousands of worlds that can terraform into new extensions of himself. And they can only be activated by the power of two celestials, which is like why he needs Peter, which is why he also like had a lot of kids. And hey, we just find this out. Did he- a lot of aliens. Yeah. So it turns out ego is like not a great guy. He impregnated. <laughs> impregnated countless women and hired Yondu to collect the children. So this is where Yondu gets in trouble for sex trafficking. Sex trafficking? Trafficking children. I mean, both are awful, but it's definitely... I don't think he goes, like, banging his kids. It's weird. Well, he might have been. You don't know. He's a fucking weird guy. It must be the impregnated and the trafficking in the same section. Sex section. Oh my God. You can't get it off your mind now. I mean, unfortunately, in this world we live in, I feel yeah, like child trafficking and sex trafficking are, are very closely related. Could you imagine if they just brought like Chris Hansen from How to Catch a Predator to that planet? And he would be like, I was just here, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yondu. Here to fix the cable. (laughs) Ego would have been fucked if Chris Hansen was there. If he was on the Avengers, he should be, man. Think of how many fucking child touches he's put away. I'm recruiting Chris Hansen to the Avengers. We should do a change.org petition to get Chris Hansen on the Avengers. All right, let's do it. Yeah. Assuming he's not like weird and canceled now. I don't know. I can't keep track. I haven't kept up with Chris Hansen. (laughs) He was just on something we watched, right? It was like a commercial, and I, I was like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where I was like, ooh, Chris. 
Uh, what happened? Let's get back to this. <laughs> All right. I've got to kind of go back to where I was because I think my thoughts were a little jambled with the sex trafficking. Jambled. <laughs> That's a good word. Steal jingle, it. jangle, jambled. I got jambled. Jambled. So Ego impregnated lots of women in the galaxy yeah. and he hired Yondu to collect Just the children. Flicking that seed. Hence, this is why, you know, Yandu was excommunicated from the Ravagers community because yeah. of trafficking the kids yes. to Ego. Assumingly, Ego was paying pretty well because, like, Yandu knew the risks. Yeah. So Ego really needed another Celestial for his grand plan. And he was, like, searching his offspring, hoping that they would be carrying this, like, Celestial power. And none of them did. So he would just kill them. Yeah. Hence the cavern of bones. Okay, bye. Yeah. Okay, bye. You're not special to me. <laughs> so uh, Quill finds all this out. And under Ego's influence, Quill starts to like ha- help him activate the seedlings. And they start to consume every world. You see the Dairy Queen on Earth <laughs> start to kind of get consumed. Get fucked up at the Dairy Queen. Which Jeff pointed out. It would have been good if it was the Baskin Robbins. Yeah, that would have been like, a good callback totally, to Ant-Man. Totally. Oh, my God. That would have been yeah. a great little... Well, nut nugget. Yeah. <laughs> Quill only kind of starts to fight back of being under this influence once he finds out the truth, though. The yeah. truth that mm. Ego is the one that killed his mother because he had planted a tumor, the brain tumor. Ugh. And, uh, yeah. I hate good. that this movie makes me dislike Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Russell, not a good guy in this movie. Yeah. You think he is. He starts off. It starts off really strong. You're like, wow, Peter Quill has a dad and you're so happy for him. You're like, how is this going to go wrong? And it goes south like so fast. Yeah. So like, you know, the murder of his mother obviously didn't sit right with him. It did not sit well with Quill, huh? No. (laughs) So he starts to fight back and he's like, yo, fuck you, dude. I think he also crushed his Walkman. So that didn't sit well either. Yeah. That sucks. At this point. (laughs) The um, other Guardians are kind of all come into play. Gamora, Nebula, and Drax are like all aware of the plan. And then like Rocket, Groot, Yondu, and Kraglin arrive on the scene. And they're all like reunited to go find Ego's brain, which is like the planet's core. And it's the only way to kill him. So like to kill Ego, they have to go to the middle of the planet and kill his brain. Yeah. And of course, now is the perfect time for the Sovereign to catch up with them. And to come seek re- <laughs> vengeance for Rocket stealing the batteries. So, you know, they're like all these drones like pew 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 pew. <laughs> and they're like under attack while they're trying to stop Ego. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of pew pews in this. I'm digging it. Nice. I like the sound <laughs> effects. I'll keep with them. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and this is where those batteries come back into play. Oh, so shit. Rocket takes those batteries and he makes a bomb out of them. Mm. And Groot, since he's a little baby Groot, can like sneak through all the stuff to go to Ego's brain and he can put the bomb on Ego's brain. So that's what's going on. And there's like, you know. Meanwhile, Quill's fighting Ego with his newfound celestial powers and he's like distracting him long enough so that the Guardians and Mantis can escape. Um. Great, great scenes with uh, Yondu kind of like being a good person and stuff now. Yeah. You know, he's like making good choices to for others <laughs> and not for him, his own selfish reasons. Um, the bomb explodes as Quill. Everybody's escaped and the planet's like exploding and Quill and Yondu are escaping together. But he only has like one like space helmet thing. Yeah. So he gives it to quill and like basically like sacrifices himself and it's like 
Whew, I'm like getting choked up thinking about it now. Yeah, now. you had a real good cry before. <laughs> it like got, and I knew it was coming and yeah. I like knew the lines and everything and it still got me yeah. so hard. I took a good picture though. I might post that Ugh, on, on the I Instagram. hope I don't look too nasty. Oh, it's amazing. You're like, have your hood up with like a box of tissues <laughs> in your face with the cat on you just like crying. <laughs> the cat knew I was sad. She just yeah. like plopped herself down it as I was sad. crying. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't want this to like ruin my day. So I like went and did something <laughs> else. Oh, it ruined my day. I didn't yeah. do anything after that. <laughs> um, so Yandu has this great line, like, he may have been your father boy, but he wasn't your daddy. And while this is like kind of happening, like Quill realizes that the reason that Yandu kept him was to spare him the fate of Ego's other children. So like, we don't really know how, but somehow Yandu found out like what was happening to the kids he was trafficking to yeah. ego and he didn't want Peter Quill to suffer the same fate. So that's why he kept him and just basically raised him as his own. Yeah. Um, Yondu dies in the, the space, the cold vacuum of yeah. space, cold yeah. vacuum of space. Cause like, you know, people can't live in space. No. <laughs> it doesn't work out well for them. Um, the guardians hold a very nice funeral for Yondu and it's attended by, you know, the little guardians crew. And like, as this is happening, as they're kind of like sending his body off into space, uh, a bunch of ravager ships show up. Yeah. Sylvester Stolen's character was the one who kind of told Yondu. He was like excommunicated from the ravager community. He's like, he was like a father figure to Yondu too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like extra hard for Yondu to get kicked out. Right. Yeah. Oh. Like, cause that's who like raised Yondu. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, he had kind of told him, like, you won't have when you die, you you don't get any of the ravagers like yeah. sacraments and stuff. But Rocket, who kind of found like a kinship with Yondu towards the end, had reached out to the ravagers and like told him about his sacrifice and like what he did. And so they like came and they accepted him as a, a ravager again. And there's like a bunch of fireworks and Quill like acknowledges that this is like a proper ravager funeral, yeah. which is a, it's a great moment. Yeah, it is. And Peter Quill also has this like really great uh, line during this scene. And he says, I told Gamora how when I was a kid, I used to pretend David Hasselhoff was my dad. <laughs> He's a singer and actor from Earth. Really famous guy. Earlier, it struck me. Yondu didn't, Yondu didn't have a talking car, but he did have a flying arrow. He didn't have the beautiful voice of an angel, but he did have the whistle of one. Both Yondu and David Hasselhoff went on kick-ass adventures and hooked up with hot women and fought robots. I guess David Hasselhoff did kind of end up being my dad after all. Only it was you, Yondu. I had a pretty cool dad. What I'm trying to say here is sometimes that thing you're searching for your whole life is right there by your side all along and you don't even know it. So like, I feel like we can get more into this in an analysis, but sometimes I feel like that parent figure that you have, like yeah. you don't even know it is yeah. while you have it. And yeah. then like it could turn up later, like after you lose it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what happens for Peter Quill. He like in yeah, that like, moment hit too late. <laughs> yeah. Like he realizes that Yondu was the dad he had all along, mm. which is like very upsetting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then also just to kind of finish it up, um, we're wrapping up towards the end of this movie plot. Uh, Nebula and Gamora have like officially made up, but Nebula still chooses to leave and continue on her quest to kill Thanos, her father. <laughs> <Da -na -na -na. laughs> Take us into the uh, post-credit scenes now, which you know we know Marvel is yeah, super famous for all those post-credit scenes. So you have a uh, Craiglin 
as a Yandu's assistant, he takes up Yandu's telekinetic arrow and control fin. So the little whistling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's making me clip. No, you're good. Okay. Um, and you kind of see him playing around with the arrow and he accidentally <laughs> shoots it at Drax. Oops. <laughs> Drax is good. fine. It was really funny, though. You also see that Groot is now grown into a teenager. <laughs> and Peter Quill makes like a great quote about how, oh, this is how Yandu must have felt like because he's like kind of arguing yeah. with Groot to like get off his game. He's like, stop playing that game. Don't you want to go do things? <laughs> Uh, you see the leader of the Sovereign, Aisha, is creating a new artificial being with whom she plans to destroy the Guardians, and she names him Adam. Mm. So I know Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is yeah, it's in the works, is happening, yeah. so I have a feeling that's probably going to come. Yeah, well, it's supposed to be Adam Warlock from the comics. Oh. Yeah, so that could be cool. <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And then the other scene is a group of uninterested watchers are abandoning their informant <laughs> who's discussing his experience on Earth. And that was Stanley's cameo in this movie. Yeah. Rest in peace, yeah. Stanley. Legend. Legend. <laughs> uh, you also have Sylvester Stallone is reuniting with the rest of his like gang yeah. during one of the end scenes. And they're like, We're so happy to be back together again. I missed you guys. <laughs> and it's, you know, basically Yondu's death like brought them back together. Yeah. So the funny thing about that, I don't know if you found in your whatever, is um, the team that Sylvester Stallone's hanging out with is the original comic book team for Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's like supposed to be them. Oh. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of cool. I like it. So wait, the Guardians of the Galaxy weren't actually the Guardians in the book? So the comic? in the movie, no. I think Gamora's in both teams. I could be wrong. Huh. Yeah, the first team is led by Yondu and like all the other Ravagers. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of it for me. Uh, we'll get into some more analysis. We'll get into some more analysis after Jeff tells his story. Yeah, so. Get it. Whoop, your finger gun in me. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back with The Last of Us. All right, and we're back. Um, today we're going to cover our first video game, so I Ooh. hope that uh, everything goes well. Uh, obviously, reviewing a video game isn't kind of the same as like a book or movie, especially when we have to like get into the nitty gritty. Um, first, I wanted to say spoilers, though. <laughs> especially, Ooh, yeah, I was going to say that earlier, but yeah, you know, no problem. Um, so this, I mean, this game has been out since 2013. It's so, been around. Yeah, it's been a while, so. You know, you probably have either had everything spoiled for you or not. Or if if you plan on ever playing this game and you don't know what the ending is, I would kind of suggest to stop at the last you know, couple minutes of my review. Um, so The Last of Us was produced by Naughty Dog, which does probably my favorite video game series, Uncharted. And also this is great. And they do Crash Bandicoot. And uh, they're just a really good studio. You know that when you buy anything that, is from Naughty Dog that it's going to be a really like quality game. <laughs> um, so it was written by Neil Druckmann, who also um, did Uncharted 2, which is my favorite Uncharted game. It's pretty badass. And uh, he did Un- Last of Us 2, but that's for another day. Um, it stars Troy Baker as Joel, Ashley Johnson as Ellie, and uh, there's a couple other characters. Those are the two main ones, and um, Nolan North as a character named David. 
So they kind of go in and out. In a video game, it's hard because there's so many voice actors. You can't really go in and name every single one of them, but they all did a really good job. And uh, the acting in this is phenomenal. I just can't say enough about it. Um, So let me go through a little bit of an outline and then we'll uh, go through the father figure types in this. (laughs) this Unlikely parents. Unlikely parents. That's correct. (laughs) So uh, the game opens up with Joel's daughter, Sarah, sleeping on the couch. And uh, he had just, I guess, presumably gotten fired over the phone. And uh, it's close to midnight and uh, he's sitting on the couch and he wakes her up and she wakes up all excited because it's his birthday. So she gives him a watch for his birthday. And it's actually a pretty funny line. He's like, how did you pay for this? And she's like, I sell drugs. So, <laughs> how so old is she? She's maybe like 11, I guess. Okay. They don't really tell you. Um, 11 or 12. She's like a younger child, I guess. And not uh, like super young. Yeah. Yeah. So he puts on the watch and it uh, kind of jumps time again a little bit later in the night. And then you wake up as Sarah again. And she's looking through the house trying to find Joel. He's not home and it's late. So it's weird. And uh, she, there's an explosion outside the house you know, in the distance and she's watching the news and uh, like all bad shit's happening. Like it's May day, there's a virus outbreak and you know, everything's going to hell. People are trying to get out of the town and they're just packing. So the 2020. <laughs> I'll get into that. Cause there's like, <laughs> there's some lines in this game that I was kind of you know, looking left and looking right. Like, uh, that's not too far off from real life. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so, Joel rushes home to get her and uh, he's looking for the gun. He can't find the gun and the neighbor breaks through their back glass door and he's like infected with, um, sorry, the cat's jingling in the back. She's about to jump. She's going to do it. She's going to jump. She did it. (laughs) So the neighbor's infected with this like disease. It's unknown at this point, but he breaks through the glass back door, like sliding door and Joel has to shoot him and kills him. And Sarah's obviously like, what the fuck? You just murdered our neighbor. (laughs) Joel's like, no time to explain. And uh, so his brother, Tommy comes up with the pickup truck close after that. And they hop in the pickup truck and they're getting ready to like hightail it out of town. So they're driving and looking around and there's people's houses on fire and people on the side of the road trying to hitch a ride to get out and get as far away as they can. And they pass by a family that's trying to get in their car and they, they leave them on the side of the road. And Sarah's like, why didn't we help them? And they're like, we can't help anybody. This game just starts off. It does. It does. So they get to the bridge and obviously it's like jam packed with people trying to get out of the city. You know, they're passing by the hospital and there's people who were infected bursting out of the hospital, still in their gowns, like ripping people out of their cars. So like, fuck this, we got to turn around. So they turn around and go through the city, but it's or the downtown area, but it's packed with people as well. And so they're trying to like drive through people, but they won't let the car move. And they eventually slam, you know, on the gas to get through an open patch and they get T-boned by another car. The car flips over and they're all in the car. They got to get out. So they all break out of the car and they're running through the city trying to dodge these infected and whatnot and they finally get underneath the bridge and joel at this point's carrying sarah because she hurt her leg in the car accident mm-hmm. and they get just far enough to just make it to the bridge and they're stopped by a police officer like a swat guy with like the gas mask on and the gun and he's trying to find out what their deal is and they're like whoa we're not infected just let us pass we're just trying to get to the bridge like my daughter's leg is hurt and you hear the guy get a order to open fire on them and it just like 
that sucks so bad. The guy's like, sorry guys. And shoots them, like starts to unload <sighs> with his like machine gun. And meanwhile, Joel is holding his daughter and they get shot. He turns around and it looks like they're fine, but Sarah got like riddled with bullets. So oh. she's dying in his arms. And at that point, Tommy, who had gotten separated from them on foot, comes back and shoots the soldier who killed Sarah. And they kind of just watch her die in his arms. And then the opening credits <laughs> roll. Like, that's the first 15 minutes. <laughs> Is that a cold opening? <laughs> kind of. I don't know. It's very cold. <laughs> so cold. Um, so the opening segment is a highlight of newscasts and stuff. And I was listening to it again today, and it could be word for word modern day television news where they're like, Terrifying. people need to re- report to their quarantine zones, like a virus and pandemic, like unprecedented, you know, on all continents and that kind of stuff. Was it like the scary? I think it's ABC has like scary music and they're like, <laughs> and it's like yeah. showing like ghost New York, like ghost town, New York. Yeah. And it's like New Yorkers yeah. got devastated by this virus. It's like, and it has like really scary background music. Oh, no, I don't know that one. Oh my God. Well, no, the news is there to scare you anyway, for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the beginning. And we see Joel wake up and there's a stamp at the bottom that says it's summer. So we know it's the summer. And then right after that, it goes 20 years later. Oh. So right off the bat, you start with a much older Joel. And they don't tell you how old he is, but I'd put him at like, I don't know, 47 ish as like the older man version of him. Makes you know, because his daughter was like 10, if I had to guess. And I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> um so he's shacked up with this lady named Tess. They're like partners in crime. There might be more like romance going on in there or something. But Joel spent his 20 years becoming a really bad dude. <laughs> he's running guns and pills and uh, he's in a quarantine zone in Boston, which is like a highly policed kind of area where you have zones that you can't go in and out of and rations. And they're checking your vitals every day to see if you're infected and murdering you on site if you are infected is this what we have to look forward to (laughs) and uh the opening segment tells you the virus is called cordyceps which fun fact is a real virus that affects plants and insects i was gonna say it sounds really close to corona it's yeah no but it it's like a zombie virus that reanimates dead bugs literally if we have a virus that reanimates human beings we are so but. That's what it, that's the whole basis of the game is they wanted something, they researched something that was so real and it's like a fungus that grows on you. The leg ring in. I think we, yeah, we've, we've definitely talked about it. It's this gross. Before. If you ever want to like see terrifying. it, yeah, you can Google it, you know, it's worth zombies it. freak it's me out the most. Cause it's like definitely something, especially seeing what's happened during this pandemic, yeah. something that could happen. Would, so this whole game, I'm just going to be like so race. paranoid now. Yeah. So, uh, Joel and Tess got ripped off by this dude, Robert, who uh, was supposed to sell him guns. And, you know, he ended up selling guns to somebody else and he put out a hit on Joel and Tess. So they're like, well, fuck this. Let's go get him. So they go and uh, they work their way through and they find this guy, Robert, and he tries to run away. But, you know, they break his leg and break his arm and (laughs) they're trying to get information out of him. And uh, so he turned out, uh, sold the guns that he was supposed to sell Joel and Tess to a group called the Fireflies who are in this game like a militant force that's trying to, I guess, liberate the quarantine zones. So the, the quarantine zones are like super military. Everybody's in like whatever cost uh, the SWAT gear and the guns. And I guess their whole point is to 
go back to like the beginning, like no remnants of the old world politics or anything like that. They just want to live in, they're basically like all soldiers. They're like a military group, but not the same as the quarantine police, I guess you could say. Like, like freedom fighters. Patriots. Kind of. Yeah. Well, it, it goes back and forth because some people don't trust them and some people do. And it's all some shit. Sounds like they're <laughs> like, could be good, could be bad. Yeah. Depends on who you ask. Yeah. So they kill Robert. <laughs> so and, bad to Robert. Yeah. And right after they kill Robert, a lady named Marlene, who's the head of the Fireflies, stumbles on them. And they're like, she's like, oh, hey, I'm looking for Robert. You know where he went? And they're, you know, Tess moves and his dead body's right there. And this is all like in the streets. <laughs> so like this is the kind of world where like nobody gives a shit. And Marlene's like, ah, oh, well, I really fucking needed him. And Tess is like, well, he's dead now. And you guys owe us our guns back. And Marlene's like, I can't give you the guns. But if you smuggle something for me, I'll be able to give you double what I was sold. So I'll give you the guns back and I'll give you more stuff. All you got to do is smuggle something for me. So they begrudgingly accept because, you know, they're smugglers anyway. They do this kind of thing all the time. And they follow Mar- um, Marlene back to her base where she's hanging out. And by the way, Marlene was shot, so she couldn't smuggle it herself. She's like bleeding from the stomach. Okay. So she's got to get, she's not going to die, but she's wounded. She's she got to like, you know, take it easy. Yeah. She can't like sneaky sneak. Yeah. So she brings him back to where she's hanging out. And the something they're supposed to smuggle is a young girl named Ellie, who's, I guess, a teenager. They don't really, I think she's 13, maybe 13 or 14. I don't know. But anyway, so they're supposed to smuggle her and, you know, they're like, that's weird that you want us to smuggle a kid who knows, like, why can't you just do this yourself? What's so special about the kid? But we'll do it. So Tess leaves to go scope out a route and leaves Joel and Ellie to like hang out and wait till nightfall. So it's a good time for them to go. And uh, it's a good scene where Joel and Ellie are meeting for the first time, you know, and they're kind of sizing each other up. Like, who is this person? what are they about kind of thing. And, uh, Ellie's looking at Joel and she's like, Oh, your watch is broken. Like as a, like a bratty kind of comment. <laughs> and, uh, it's sad cause it was the watch that his daughter gave him. So it's, Oh, he was it's still keeping still, it after yeah, like 20 it's, years. Yeah, and it's broken. Oh yeah. Um, so at nightfall they take Ellie out to the edge of town and they're bringing her to where they're supposed to go meet the other fireflies at, uh, I believe the Capitol building and they get intercepted by these police as soon as they get out of the quarantine zone and immediately these police are scanning them for the virus and Tess is clean. Joel is clean, but Ellie tests for the cor- uh, coronavirus, <laughs> the cordyceps. She tests positive. Bit my tea out. <laughs> she tests positive and the cops like freak out. They're about to murder her, but they act quick and kill the cops first. And they're like, what the Oof. fuck? You're infected. And she's like, kind of. Yeah, but I was infected two weeks ago and it's only supposed to take two days. So I'm immune. That's like my deal. That's why you're smuggling. Yeah. Me. So they have to narrowly escape through this field of uh, military forces. And they do. Eventually they get to where they're going. They eventually make it to the Capitol building and they find that it's empty. Like all the fireflies that were supposed to to meet them are killed. So they're kind of freaking out a little bit. Like they don't know what to do. Joel is like, let's just bring her back. You know, like (laughs) we did our thing. Don't worry about it. And Tess is like, no, you have to keep going. You have to take her to the fireflies wherever they are. And Joel's like, what the fuck? Why are you being so weird? And Tess shows him that she got bit in like the whole ensuing hilarity Uh. of going to one place to the other. So she's dying. She's like, dude, my dying wish do this. And Joel's like, okay. So 
the police that were following them catch up with them at the Capitol building, right as all this is happening. And Tess kind of like suicides her way away Aww. from the team. She's like, just go. I'll hold them off as long as I can. Cause she's going to die anyway. She's like, at least I'll go down fighting. So she does that. She stays behind and she's holding them off, you know, with the guns. And I don't know, she lasts like two minutes. <laughs> so Tess is dead. Unfortunately, Joel and Ellie have to break out and get away from these people. And, uh, they eventually get um, to an abandoned town. You know, they break away from the Capitol building and they don't know where to go. So Joel knows this guy, Bill, who he used to be friends with, who has his own town, I guess, that's empty. Like he huh. like swooped in and like, you know, everybody started had, his own town. Yeah, well, everybody had to evacuate when all the shit went down. Right. So nobody's in their houses. There's just like stuff everywhere. Everything was just left. There's so many ghost towns in this game. So he built a fence and he's the only person living in this town besides whatever infected or there or like wandered in. So they go find him and luckily he's still there and they're trying to get a car from him to go out west to try and find these fireflies. So they have to battle their way through more of the infected. They finally get to a working car and they, you know, they fix it up and they're off on their way. They leave Bill. Bill's like, I'm not going to fucking go there. I'm chilling in my town. (laughs) But, um, there's a good subplot with Bill where he like comes off as like this rough and tough dude. He's like a little husky. He's got his machete. He's like a outdoorsy kind of guy. He's like cursing a lot and stuff. And um, his like if you look around in the game at like his stuff, he uh, had a boyfriend who ran off and uh, you eventually find the boyfriend in like a house and Bill's like he's dead. But Bill is looking at the guy. He's like only one person would wear that fucking shirt kind of thing. It's like a Hawaiian shirt, you know? Aww. So they don't outright tell you, but uh, the game has a lot of fun kind of side things. If you really go yeah. around and look at every nook and cranny, you can kind of put together extra story out of it, which I always love. That's cool. I know you yeah, like go back to play that stuff. that stuff too. Yeah. Like stuff that you would find a second time that you wouldn't find the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Like he has like nudie magazines and like his workshop. <laughs> like Definitely to, rewards like, you for a replay. Yeah. Yeah. Say. Yeah. Even though it's so fucking sad. <laughs> they're like, we know you're sad. Play again. <laughs> so they're driving through uh, Pittsburgh and they get corralled by a bunch of bandits, which is bad news. So they crash their car in Pittsburgh and uh, they're getting hunted by just like shitty people. Like It's like a, a team of mercenaries. They're not even mercenaries. They're just like a shitty gang and they get people who are traveling through and like kill them and steal their stuff. Gotcha. So. They're fighting through. They get away from them and they shack up with uh, these two people, Henry and Sam, who are Henry's an older brother and Sam's a younger brother. And they're basically doing the same thing that Joel and Ellie are doing. They're just trying to get out west and see if they could find the fireflies. So they're like, let's team up. So they end up teaming up and uh, they go through the suburbs and like some sewers. And I'm just paraphrasing a lot of like gameplay because just going through the story, you know. So they eventually. um. You know, they're going through an empty suburb and they're ambushed by the infected. And Sam is unfortunately bitten, but Henry doesn't really know that. So when they get back to the safe house, Sam is like really upset. Nobody knows why. And the next morning they wake up. Sam tries to attack Ellie. He already changed. So um, Henry kills him, unfortunately, and then kills himself. So it's back to Ellie and Joel. Yeah, I know a lot of that. It's like this. It's not he the was so thing. he was so upset, yeah, that he had to do that, which I totally get that. Um, so that's the end of the summer portion. The game is um, 
separated by seasons. Mm-hmm. So this is fall. So during fall, Joel and Ellie make their way out to um, the Midwest and they meet up with Joel's brother, Tommy, you know, 20 years later, who was a firefly in those 20 years, but left. And now him and his wife, Maria, have a town where they have running electricity from like a hydro plant, like a hydro generator. So they have this like big, yeah, they have this big cement blocked off town where they're living with electricity and they have supplies and they're, you know, farming and they have cattle and just living. They went back to the old way. Yeah, they're they're pioneering it. So they have like plenty of stuff. That's what I would do. Yeah, that's, you know, they have the big walls. They're just um patrolling with their guns over the walls like kind of like a prison but so they're pretty safe i guess but that doesn't stop them from getting ambushed anyway <laughs> for people but but uh so before that happens Joel goes to Tommy specifically because Tommy was an ex firefly and Joel was like hey listen i don't want to keep watching this kid anymore can you take her the rest of the way to the fireflies like it's clearly starting to get to a point where he's getting attached and uh, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to go the rest of the way if something happens to her, like with Sarah. So he's trying to pawn it off on Tommy, but a little aggressively, like it's not like he's being honest about it. Yeah. So after this ambush, Joel and Ellie regroup and he's talking to her and it's clear that he's a father to her at this point to Tommy. He's like, oh, are you hurt? Like, what happened? Are you hungry? That kind of stuff. Right. And Tommy goes like, shit. So he's with his wife and he's like, hey, listen, like. I know you just met my brother. <laughs> it's been 20 years. <laughs> He's like, but I need to do this. And you, you have to be okay with that. She's not super cool with it. So they confront Joel and Joel says out loud again, but this is for everybody here. So Ellie hears that he doesn't want to take her the rest of the way. And she gets sad and she steals one of the horses that the town has and goes and just like rides off to run away. So now Joel and Tommy have to track her down and they finally get to another empty farmhouse suburb or whatever. And she's in there reading a book and kind of laughing about what people had to worry about before all this shit. She's like, Oh, did people really worry about matching shirts and skirts? And <laughs> can that be something that happens from our coronavirus? I'd like to yeah. not worry about what I wear in public anymore. <laughs> I already don't <laughs> I just go from like pajamas to sweats to pajamas. <laughs> it's just easier that way. Yeah. So, um, she's like pissed at Joel, obviously she's yeah. you know, why are you abandoning me kind of thing. Joel's like, Oh, you wouldn't understand. Kind of, you know, like Tommy's going to be better at this than I am. And, uh, she calls him out on it. She's like, that's bullshit. You know, why can't you be honest with me? So they go back to the town and Joel looks at Tommy and he tells him, Hey, listen, I got to do this at this point. Like I have to take her the rest of the way. Don't worry about it. Just see if you can give me, horses and some food and some guns and stuff and i'll do it and tommy's like okay so he's like i'll do it if you want but if you're saying no (laughs) i'd love to stay here with my electricity and my wife so (laughs) um joel takes a horse and they head out west to the um university of eastern colorado which is where tommy said the last time he was with the fireflies that's where they were hanging out so they make it all the way to university of eastern colorado and lo and behold there's no fireflies they're all dead But there's plenty of infected that they have to fight through. And then they get attacked by scavengers again, because there's scavengers everywhere in this world. There's no supplies. You have to 
figure out where you're getting food, where you're getting guns and ammo and that kind of stuff. I mean, I definitely could see people like that being a reality where yeah. people are just like in gangs, like just yep. trying to hunt people down yep. for their stuff. That's like Walking Dead. Like there's no rules. Yeah. Like, there's nobody, you know. It's like the purge all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but with zombies. So they battle their way out. Joel, unfortunately, takes it like a doozy of a fall onto like some broken wood and stabs himself in the gut. Ooh. So Ellie has to prop him up on the horse and they ride off and they find another abandoned suburb to like lay low for winter, which is the next season. This is the end of fall. So we're into winter now. And, um, so Joel's dying. He's got like a heavily infected wound that he's just laying on the ground. He can't move. And Ellie has to take care of him. So she's got a bow and arrow at this point and she's hunting and she finds this deer and she kills this deer. And it's like the best thing in the world. Cause now you have food yeah. and it's like, it's so hard to find food that this is like an amazing thing. So she's trying to get this deer and she's met by this dude, David and a younger person from David's hanging out with and they want the deer too. And so she has them at arrow point or gunpoint. <laughs> and uh, so they want the deer and she needs medicine. So she's like, do you guys have medicine? And they're like, yeah, we have medicine. So they send the other guy away to go get the medicine and come back so she could trade them the deer. And her and David are just hanging out until the guy gets back, but they're ambushed by infected people. <laughs> so they have to like run away and, um, defend themselves. And eventually the second guy comes back with the medicine. She's got it. She lets them take the deer and she goes back and gives the medicine to Joel. So she's like, all right, well, he's going to be good. I guess it's just penicillin. <laughs> and, uh, so David and the guy come back and they're like, yo, you're, people like this guy killed our friends at the university of Colorado. Like it was the same gang. So she didn't go far enough away. Like the gang found them. Oh shit. Yeah. So they capture her and it turns out they're cannibals. <laughs> mm, oh. it's, it's implied that they're cannibals. They never actually like, I guess really say it. So David's planning on killing Ellie and I guess eating her. He's got her locked up and uh, he takes her out and he's got her on like the butcher board. But oh she, God. but she like bites him on the hand and she's like, bitch, I'm infected. So now you're infected. Like, I don't think that's how it works, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, he thinks he's infected and shit's going down and she breaks out and she's just running away trying to get away from him. So she eventually makes her way to a restaurant in the town just to like hide out and lay low. <laughs> Sorry, the cat's very active. So she makes her way to a restaurant to hide out and lay low. But David follows her in there and he's going to kill her and he's stalking her in between like the booths and trying to get her. So eventually she gets the upper hand and kills David, but he's trying to like get with her the whole time. Kind of like he has her pinned down Wait, and he's trying I to like, he was trying to- well, at this point now, so he oh, gets her like okay. pinned down. And he's trying to like rape her. So at this point, Joel wakes up from his wound coma <laughs> and uh he finds that the restaurant that they were fighting in david and ellie uh, is on fire so he's like let me follow the fire so it pays off to be a good idea he catches ellie who killed david with his own machete and she's just like destroying his face with it like went completely berserk and it's just snapped so it was like a really good fatherly moment where joel stops her from doing that and he's like giving her a hug and she's crying and she's like, he was going to do stuff. And he's like, it's okay now. It's all good. And he like calls her baby girl. And 
it's like oddly a kind of sweet moment despite what was just about to happen. He's to like her. comforting her. Yeah. Like a parent, yeah. parental figure. Exactly. But he's been so cold to her the whole game at this point, you know, especially when he tried to get rid of her at Tommy's like farm segment thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, he could tell he was getting attached then, I think is what you were saying. Yeah, but it's the first time he's extremely attached. So that's the end of the winter segment. Um, Joel miraculously healed from a gnarly ass infected wound from one shot of penicillin. I was going to say that penicillin is so strong. Eh, you know, the, the story required it. Got <laughs> to move it forward. Yeah, they did. So we're finally at spring now. And this is the basically the ending of the game. There's no seasons after this. I thought they would go back to summer, but whatever. Joel and Ellie arrive at Salt Lake City, which is their next lead on the Fireflies. And they make their way through a bunch of buildings and stuff. And it has probably one of the coolest scenes of the game where they stumble across a giraffe like in the wild. And it's extra crazy that they found the giraffe because obviously it's a tough, tough world. (laughs) Like, how would you find a giraffe out here, especially let alone a whole gang of giraffes? So they're climbing this building and they finally get to a point where she could like touch the giraffe and it's like a really cool moment of them petting the giraffe on the head and it's really Aww. nice and it's just blowing her mind to see this thing. I mean, that's really cool. Cause like giraffes are also like not wild in yeah, America. Exactly. <laughs> it, they like busted out of the zoo. <laughs> so I thought that was cool too. Cause you could stay there as long as you want in the game and watch the giraffes walk away. And it takes a while for them to walk away and it's really cool calming piece of music in the background. And I think you're supposed to take it all in for a while is the intention at least that's how i figure it i usually sit there for a minute and like watch it after all the horrible things and like killings and whatever that you've done at this point it's like a nice shining light they gotta give you something good yeah um so once you do that there's like the last main part of the game where you're about to go through the rest of the building and you know go do what you got to do to get to this hospital in salt lake city and uh joel about is about to open this door to go back inside the building and go downstairs and get out and do their thing. And he asks Ellie if she really wants to do this. And she's like, yeah, like we got to do this or else, you know, it's all been for nothing. So we got to keep going the rest of the way. So they go back through the building and they have to go through the sewers to get to somewhere. And the whole time Ellie doesn't know how to swim. She was never taught how to swim. Obviously there's no pools or anything to go like chill out at the YMCA over here. They have to cut through the sewer and, um, something happens where Ellie falls and there's just like a tidal wave and she's, they're trying to get out of this water and she can't swim and they get to the end of it and she's unconscious and Joel's trying to give her CPR. He would like fish her out of the water and they get confronted by two more soldiers and Joel's like, dude, not now that, you know, she's dying. Like, don't do this kind of thing. And they pistol whip Joel. <laughs> so he gets knocked out. And, uh, but it kind of works out because they wake up at the Firefly headquarters and Joel is there with Marlene, who's back, and she wakes him up. And uh, so Ellie is alive, but she never regained consciousness after the near drowning. And she's being prepped for surgery to kind of find the cure. Like that was the whole point of the journey is to try and find the cure. Right. Well, she was trying to get like to the doctors of the fa- of Firefly. Right? Yeah. Once they got to figure out like that's what they were doing so marlene is like oh she's being prepped for surgery and joel's like okay well let me go see her and she's like you can't and he's like why not she's like well in order to get some type of cure we need to remove her brain and joel's like 
okay, but that'll kill her. Ha ha. (laughs) 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 So you wouldn't do that. And Marlene's like, yeah, we are. (laughs) And Joel's like, what the fuck? Like, how could you do this to someone? And Marlene's like, I've known Ellie since she was a baby. This is just as hard for me. And, uh, she tells her soldiers to escort Joel out of the building. He's not allowed to be there. He's not allowed to see Ellie again. And obviously Joel's pissed as fucking hell. So in that instant, he totally reverts back to his pre Ellie days of just being like a horrible murderer, badass guy and turns on the soldier who's escorting him out, like kills him right then and there, figures out where Ellie's operating room is and steals all of his guns back and just goes on a rampage through this hospital, killing like every soldier there that he could get his like comes across. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. You're like, I know you guys are good guys, but sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like this isn't me. So he makes his way to the doctor's table or the surgery table, I should say. And yeah, the game forces you to murder three innocent doctors. <laughs> There's no way nice. around it. So the doctors are about to operate on Ellie. She's unconscious on the table and there's nothing you could do but shoot the three of these doctors who are like tragically pleading for their lives. So that sucks. <laughs> Don't you like try to not kill them at first too? You, yeah, the game doesn't progress unless you kill them. Ugh. So I like... I don't know if I'm like a psycho, but the first time I played this game, I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, got to do what you got to do. But the second time I played through, if you take your time, like if you just go in and shoot them, you're like, oh, I guess these soldiers are dressed like surgeons. (laughs) (laughs) But if you take your time and don't do it right away, that's when they like plead and they're like, don't do this. You could still walk away. And I'm like, can I walk away? (laughs) And the game's like, no, (laughs) can't. Game's like, nope, God, do it. Um. So, yeah, that sucks. But you scoop up Ellie before they could kill her and steal her brain. And you make your way to the elevator and go down to the parking level where Marlene's waiting for you, like at gunpoint. She's like, dude, drop the kid. This is going to happen. You could still make it work. And uh, Joel's like, I don't know, man. I'm pretty sure I killed the last brain surgeon in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Being as it is. So they cut to Joel driving away. And it's him in the front seat and he's just like contemplative and you think he left Ellie there with her, but he looks in the rearview mirror and nope, she's in the backseat of the car still asleep and she's like waking up for being unconscious. She's like, what happened? And Joel's like, oh, there's a hundred people like you. They couldn't find a cure. They stopped looking and like lies to her outright. And she rolls over really sad and is, you know, just takes a deep breath. And during this, um, you see that Joel killed Marlene and, uh, He shot her in the head, kind of, (laughs) and oops. she's like, don't do this. And he goes, you'll never stop coming for her. So sorry. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, that's basically the end of it. There's an epilogue scene where at this point in the game, you're Ellie's point of view. So you switch from who the main character is. And you're following Joel and it's like creepy at this point. Like you look at Joel, who's been like the father figure the whole game. And it is in such a weird way when you're following him at the end that he's just like really, really nice to you. Like, come on, kiddo, we're going to go and have some fun. And it's you're like you get the heebie jeebies a little bit, like knowing that he just murdered all these people. And like, what is he going to do to you? He's like a psycho kind of like obsessed with yeah but ellie doesn't know that right 
she doesn't, but like the player does. Like this guy right. is like obsessed now. And it's just so weird. So they get to a clearing where they're about to go back to Tommy's village and live out the rest of their lives. And she confronts him about what happened and like makes him swear to like to the story that he told her. And um, she tells a story about how she was bit with someone else and the other person died and she didn't. She just has survivor's guilt and she needs to know that her life means something. And he kind of took that away, but she doesn't know that. So she's like, do you swear? And he's like, yeah, I swear. And she's like, okay. And that's the end of the game. They uh, go and live out with Tommy. <sighs> which is why they needed to do a sequel. <laughs> yeah, which is super controversial. I hope we get to cover that later. I don't think it's controversial, but like, I don't know. Internet dweebs do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was good. I feel like for the first video game, you like wrapped it up really yeah, well. Yeah, I tried to describe it as a movie. So if you wanted to just watch this game, if you're not a video game player, you can find on YouTube either a video of somebody playing through the game and like they're pretty good at playing the game like they don't die a million times so but (laughs) even that being said it's like a six hour from start to finish story or you could just go on youtube and find just the cutscenes, which is about an hour and 20 minutes oh wow so it it does play out kind of like a movie and even if you watch the cutscenes, you're not missing a whole lot of other stuff like yeah you missed subplots like the whole thing with bill and stuff but um, if you, you get just, the main story. Yeah, if you wanted to blast yeah. through it, you get the main story. Yeah. Nice. So let's uh, take a quick break and we'll come back with analysis. We'll be back. And we're back. So let's get to our ratings, recommendations, and some analysis of the theme of unlikely parents. Yeah. So uh, just going into some analysis over Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I feel like this movie like kind of has some plot holes. Yeah. But I think it can like be explained. I feel like if you know the characters. So like uh some people were pointing out like why did Ego not go to Earth himself if Yondu was like a known like yeah. you know, kind of criminal already? And like also why didn't Ego just bring Meredith to his planet if he yeah. like truly loved her? And somebody on the internet brought up a great point. That he is an unreliable narrator. I mean, his name alone, Ego. Yeah. Like, he's only looking out for himself, um, period, end of story. And they were just saying, like, he probably never loved Meredith. Yeah. He was probably telling Peter Quill, like, all these things to, like, make him trust him and, like, make him, like, like, be like, oh, I'm your father and, like, create that, like bond (laughs) hey bro (laughs) hey bro and like he knew like what to say and how to look to like be appealing to peter like kind of yeah yeah he was like playing to his strengths (laughs) yeah and like people were saying that he probably never loved meredith oh like she really was just a distraction to his ultimate goal yeah and like he just probably somebody even like came up with the theory that he probably just like gave brain tumors to every woman oh, he yeah, impregnated. Right. Like we don't know. We yeah, don't know what like happened to those nothing. other ones. <laughs> yeah. Like he doesn't want Novacore like coming after him. So which is yeah. probably also why he was sending Yandu to go do his dirty oh, deeds. That's true. To kind of keep himself off everybody else's radar. Yeah. And uh they were saying like Ego probably didn't go looking for Peter until Peter like held the infinity stone and like 
that word like word kind of got around like yeah. oh <laughs> there's this human that can hold the infinity stone yeah he's like oh maybe he has powers and i can use them to my advantage and like probably just didn't care up until then that's why he never like went looking for him so Dick. i feel like those plot holes can kind of be explained by yeah. uh ego's true intentions what a dick he is not a good father no <laughs> so if we wanted to talk about like i feel like unlikely parents like end up having a special bond with like their child quote unquote yeah and i feel like it's could even be more special than like a real parent like yeah like a biological parent like sometimes there's people that don't want to be parents yeah and like unlikely parents are choosing to be a parental figure that's a good point yeah like you like some people i guess maybe if they have kids too early and they're not ready for it or like you said you know not everybody's cut out to be a parent (laughs) yeah sometimes when you choose like you get a better idea of uh you know you'd like you really want it kind of thing right i mean that's why i feel like people that adopt are like you know usually have really good intentions and just like want to take care of somebody yeah so another interesting thing that i found out from looking at trivia on imdb yeah so according to chris pratt and this is related to like fathers um, shooting this movie helped him come to terms with his own father's death. Oh, really? Yeah. So Chris Pratt's father passed away while Chris Pratt was filming Jurassic World in 2015 oh, wow. or in 2014. I'm sorry. Um, and the actor, he really didn't like get a chance to deal with the death at the time because he was so busy filming. Yeah. And he wanted to keep like the rest of the cast's like spirits up because he was like the lead character in Jurassic World. So like, you know. He couldn't be all like down and gloomy, I guess, yeah. you know, he probably I think just, that's, that'd be OK. Yeah, <laughs> people like, would let him. <laughs> I think so, too. But, you know, everybody grieves differently. Yeah, that's, that's very true. So the director, James Gunn, was like, this is like a story about fathers. Like, mm. I guess, you know, when he was talking about the movie and Pratt said he was able to open old wounds that had been healing for some time and acknowledge the fact that there are some wounds that cannot ever be completely healed, such as the death of a parent. Yeah. And I think. Our unlikely parents, quote unquote, in this, um, I feel like those are like kind of those unbreakable bonds. Yeah. Like, where would the Mandalorian be without the child and slash where would the child be without Mandalorian? Probably exactly. not alive right now. No, probably not. The other robot would have got him. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have to see what happens in season <laughs> yeah. two. But absolutely. And I think same goes for if we talk about guardians of the galaxy like i feel like same goes like where would peter quill be if it wasn't for yondu i mean my character ellie would be dead yeah i think (laughs) if she even got there Quill probably would have straight up been dead yeah i think both of our (laughs) yeah wow (laughs) the baby so that's pretty dramatic or or no the child from mandalorian and dead yeah so they like needed these unlikely families (laughs) And I think that was maybe part of the reason because like those people knew it was either like I could take care of this person or they could die. Yeah, that's and, like, definitely a motivator for all of them. They're like, and like get this attachment where they're like, I can't just like let this like. Yeah, it's like child little, die. Yeah. yeah, like I need to take care of them. Like I could totally see that. Yeah. Even making like the bond stronger, you know, especially when you think of Joel, who's like willing to just burst through like a good guy camp and murder everyone just yeah. to make sure that. Someone who could literally save the whole human race doesn't have to suffer. And he gave up like his whole like life as he knew, he gave knew up it for the her. Fate of the human race. Yeah. 
yeah, he could have changed everything. He yeah. was like, I mean, he made a very selfish decision. But it's to cover the loss of his own daughter, you know? Yeah. So, it was like his replacement daughter. Yeah, it's like he didn't deal with it right. in a healthy way. It was just to mask over, you know, like you get a second chance, but it's not that he healed the wound and wanted Kinda to like try it Pratt. again. Yeah. It was, <laughs> uh, well, no, I'm saying like his quote about like healing from his father. Oh, like yeah, he, yeah. he didn't heal properly the first yeah. time. Yeah. I think Joel didn't heal ever. And that's why he was trying to kind of replace his lost daughter, even 20 years later with someone else yeah. instead of um, dealing with that and healing from it and then trying again. Right. So that's why Joel is a very flawed <laughs> figure. Yeah, I mean, Yondu's not perfect either, and I yeah. think that's also the beauty of those characters. Yeah, but is in that the, they're not in the rules of the wor- like the Last of Us world, though. Joel's a bad guy, but not a terribly bad guy, <laughs> even considering all that other stuff. Because you got to think Ellie killed real people too. They were just living. It's just kill, I mean, kill to survive. I was just gonna say, I feel like in this version of the world, like killing is not yeah it's just the it's, worst thing you could do it's, it's just a way to survive it's different rules yeah rules that i hope yeah i never have to witness <laughs> exactly, yay yeah. <laughs> hopefully everything's going well when this episode launches <laughs> so um yeah, let's get into some ratings and recommendations you ready for that yeah let's take a quick break and come back with those All right, and we're back. Let's get through some ratings and recommendations. Uh, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. So our rating system goes from trash, obviously being trash, being the, the worst. worst. The worst. <laughs> we have nice, very nice, and super nice. So I'm going to go with Guardians of the Galaxy. Volume two. Volume two. You're right. I'm going to say very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Guardians of the Galaxy 1. I think I prefer, but I yeah. do enjoy volume two. And I think this was actually the, only the second time I rewatched it. Yeah. And uh, I still had you crying. Still had me crying. <laughs> and I think I actually liked it even better, too. And, I, and it might be because we're like analyzing it, too. And I, yeah. I, I enjoy feeling smart, <laughs> <laughs> feeling yeah. educated. So would you recommend any other movies to watch um yeah so obviously guardians of the galaxy volume one yeah you can also see the crew guard of the guardians in the infinity war movies nice slash an end game yeah you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what i mean the avengers movies i would also recommend one of my favorite marvel movies is captain marvel and i think that has a similar feel to it yeah the humor is very the humor is similar and i think yeah. that's why i enjoy all of them the Last of Us as a super nice. I'm not think, surprised by that. I think it's an unmissable classic. If you've ever had any interest in playing video games, it's a must play. It's a must, must, must. It's must, must, must. <laughs> um, I so. love watching the cutscenes of The Last of Us. Like, I'm not a gamer, so to speak. <laughs> um, and I enjoyed watching Jeff play this game because I thought yeah. the plot would, and the story, this story is like very interesting. Yeah, so even if you don't really want to play it or it's for PlayStation 3 and 4, and I'm sure it's it'll be for PlayStation 5 that's coming out. So, you know, it's an older game. You could probably find a friend who had a PlayStation 3 and 
get it cheap or something like that. But if you didn't want to do that, even you could watch on YouTube, like I said earlier, or if you want to see people yell at their TV while they play it, Twitch, obviously you could find someone streaming. Um, and for recommendations, I would say if you like this story, uh, there's the book of the road that, uh, is a influence on this. And if you want to watch something visual, I recommend the walking dead is, oh, uh, is pretty close. Sense. Yeah. Um, I think The Last of Us is better than The Walking Dead TV show. But, you know, similar idea. People survive in zombie type situation. Yikes. Yeah. All right. So what do you got for um, Masterpiece Scene and MVP? Um, so for my MVP, I'm going to go with Chris Pratt's character, uh, Peter Quill. Yeah. Um, I think this is the movie where, I mean, it's his like kind of origin story. Not like. I guess not origin per se, but it kind of gives a little bit of background history on his heritage. Yeah, and they stuff. fill in some of the gaps. Yeah, because we had no idea who his dad was, was like yeah. kind of hinted this whole time. And I think that like plays a huge part in his personal development as a character. He I think he grows a lot in this movie. Yeah. Um, and then my masterpiece scene is like towards the end of the fight where like Yondu and Peter Quill like hook up again and then oh, like they yeah. like Right before the uh, Fleetwood Mac break in? No, like I'm talking like when they're like leaving, like the fight's over and like they're like bombs about to go off and they're like going up into outer space. And he's like, uh, he's like, oh, he's not he wasn't your daddy boy. Like, yeah, yeah. Or whatever the the quote is. (laughs) (laughs) He may be your father, but he ain't your daddy. Yes, that one. Very cool. Um, and then, you know, subsequently like dies and like yeah. as Chris Pratt's like figuring out, or as Peter Quill's like figuring out like, oh, this was like my real dad all along. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, the heartbreak <laughs> gets me every time. You're crying. What about you? <laughs> um, I think the MVP for Last of Us is probably Ellie. I, I don't know. It's so hard. They're both so good. But I think um, Joel would just be doing what he was doing without her. So I guess that's why she'd be an MVP. Um, I think they're both great. <laughs> and then there's, again, there's so many masterpiece scenes in this one. It's a three-way tie between the intro when Joel loses his first daughter, Sarah, the giraffe scene, which is amazing, and the end end where Ellie confronts Joel about like mm. everything that went down because it's just insanely well acted. And you got to remember these people were like, in motion capture suits, <laughs> you know, like doing the mocap for the uh, the game. So they're like in these black spandex suits with all these little light bulbs around them, but they still get the like the performance perfectly. Yeah, like the sadness, anxiety, the reality of it all. Um, and then you feel like a connection between them and the actors, Joel and Ellie, are closer than uh, in age than Joel and Ellie the characters are. So right. it's weird to see someone as like a father figure who maybe is only like 10 years older than you and, or maybe not even, I, I don't know their ages, but they're very, I guess, closer in age. They're like young, but uh, yeah, it was very cool. Yeah. I agree with that. That giraffe scene is like legendary. And I mean, yeah. the ending itself, like the confrontation is like another, I mean, how can you pick out of those? Yeah, I know. I really don't think you can. <laughs> I would go with the three masterpiece scenes for yours. There you go. <laughs> and uh, as for the theme, did you want to rate? Yeah, let's read the theme. Sure. Uh, I'm going to go nice. Yeah, I'm going to go nice, too. I think it could be super nice or very nice, depending on who the uh, the combination is, I guess. Like, if you're a really good person and you decide to take in somebody, you know, adopt or anything like that, just 
be good. <laughs> be a good person. Just be a good person. You got to want it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our show for today. Hope you guys enjoyed. Hope it inspired you to watch some movies and play some video games. Um, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're at Parallel Fiction on Twitter and Instagram and Parallel Fiction Podcast on Facebook. And also, if you want to reach us the old-fashioned way, it's ParallelFictionPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week. Thank you.